0: Moving, moving along, maybe a quarter of the way through now. As you're turning there, we're going to pray. We're going to ask the Lord to be with us, ask him to guide us as we, uh, as we look at his word today. Father, we love you. God, we come before you today thanking you so much, God, that you, uh, that you just allowed us to be here. God, that we can come into your house, that we can come and fellowship with one another God, we're looking forward today to today, God. We're looking forward to your presence, being here in the service as you uh, minister to us, as you uh, bring your word to life in us. We're looking forward to getting to eat breakfast with one another. God, as we fellowship, we're looking forward to Sunday school as we learn more about your word and we get to build relationships with your people. God, we're looking forward to the 1030 service where we're going to come and we're going to worship you, God, with all our heart. And God, we're looking forward to your word being preached again in that service. As Brother Eddie comes and brings the word, we're looking forward to that. We're even looking forward already to tonight. We're just so excited today about uh, spending the day in your presence, spending the day with your people, God. And Lord, we just ask you to be with us and that you would help us to, uh, um, to uh, rightly divide your word And as your spirit comes and, uh, and brings that word to life to us. We thank you, Lord. We ask you to speak to us today. We're not here just to learn something new. We're here to be changed by you, and we thank you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, today in uh, Luke chapter 6, uh, we're going to talk about, we're going to look at, uh, basically if I, had to, if I had to give you kind of the, the overall picture of what we're going to be talking about is, it, you just can't go through the motions and expect that that's going to be good enough. You can't just go through the motions and think that that's good enough. A lot of us have a tendency to, uh, in, in all walks of life, in all, in all, the, all different way, uh, things in life, whether it's work or, or fun, or family, or or, or whatever. You know, when you you just go through the motions and really your heart's not really in it, you're just going through the ritual, you're just going through the deal, going through the motions. Uh, Well, that's not good enough when it comes to to God. We have to have a heart that has been born again, a heart that's been changed, a heart that desires after God. And of course, we know that that only comes through the gospel, it only comes through being born again. Well, today what we're gonna see is, we're gonna see that uh, Jesus is going to teach these uh, Pharisees about, about the Sabbath, about what it means uh, to uh, to uh, honor God on the Sabbath, to remember the Sabbath, and to keep it holy. And what we're going to learn today, what we're going to see today, hopefully, if um, if the Holy Spirit is with us as, as He is uh, uh, bringing this word to bear, and I don't just give you a big long lecture, but we're going to see that uh, we're going to see that you know it's not good enough for us just to go through the deal. It's not just good enough for us to do the religious thing. We have to have a heart and that heart only comes through God. When you think of God's law, when you think of just somebody brings up the term God's law, what do you think of? You usually think of, I don't know, the, the rules maybe, uh, how oppressive it is, or, or you know uh, just the do's and the don'ts, the list of things you're supposed to do, the list of things you're, you're not supposed to do. How many of you, I mean, be honest, how many of you have ever heard this sentence uttered when you were a kid? As long as you live in my house, you gonna you know you could probably finish that sentence as long as you live in my house you're going to abide by my rules. I'm sure all of y'all have heard that at one time or another. And when you're a kid, when you're a teenager, usually you're thinking, you know, my parents just don't understand. They, they're just trying to keep me down. They just want me to follow their rules. They don't want me to have my life. They want to control me. They don't want me to have any fun. They don't want me to whatever. And then what happens is, of course, you all know this. You, you grow up and you, you get married and you have a family. And before too long, something comes out of your mouth that you never thought would come out of your mouth. As long as you live in my house, you start saying the same thing. And then, you know, it dawns on you. And I'm sure y'all have had that, that sensation before. It dawns on, dawns on you that, you know, maybe my parents wasn't so dumb. Maybe they knew what they were talking about. You start to realize that the rules, the rules that uh, they set up, the rules that you follow, therefore you are good. Therefore, there to to make sure you don't, if, as a teenager, make sure you don't mess up your life. Make sure you don't, uh, make sure that you're able to have a life and to be happy and all those things. Make sure that you stay out of danger and that you stay safe and all all those, all those things. Well, the same thing applies to God's law. A lot of times, if you're an unbeliever, I can I can understand how an unbeliever would say, would think, you know, well, God's law is just oppressive and it's just trying to keep me down. It wants. Wants me to follow his rules and, you know, he's like a taskmaster up in the sky. And uh, uh, I can understand how you see that. But when you've been born again, you realize, you know, you realize that God's law is for your benefit. It's because he loves you. It's for your good. It's to keep you from danger, to make sure that you uh, enjoy the life that he's given you in the creation. It's the best possible way to uh, to live to follow to follow his law and so you you can say when you've been born again when you've uh, received christ and and the holy spirit dwells in you you can say with david in psalm 119 you can say oh how i love oh how i love your law i meditate on it uh, i meditate on it night and day so really, what we're going to see here as we go through, these, uh, go through chapter 6, uh, we're just going to do the first 11 verses, but uh, really what we're going to see is that the law is basically what we see uh, elsewhere in the New Testament. It shows us our sin, for one thing, and it shows us how we're to live to, for God. Um, And so the problem we're going to address, the problem we're going to see here is that a lot of these Pharisees, a lot of religious folks, a lot of people today, just like in the first century, they they tend to want to obey the rules or do the stuff just uh, for the stuff's sake. They want to obey the law for the law's sake. They want to obey the rules for the rules' sake. They want to do what they're supposed to do uh, and just like a a robot, go through the motions with no heart, no heart change, no no, uh, love for Christ, no love for his gospel, whatever. As long as I do X, Y, and Z, I'm good with God when the reality is what God requires of us is a new heart. And you and I can't make that new heart. We can't manufacture that new heart. We can't can't live good enough to make us have a new heart. That comes through the supernatural work of God as the gospel is being preached and the Holy Spirit comes and it changes our heart. So uh, here's what we're going to see. We're going to see two little sections in chapter 6. The first is the disciples are picking corn and eating uh, on the Sabbath day. And the second is Jesus heals uh, a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath day. And in both sections, uh, the Pharisees are gonna come and they're gonna get mad because Jesus is supposedly breaking their law, supposedly breaking their rules. So let me just read the first couple of verses and we can get our bearings about where we're gonna be. Uh, we are gonna, you, you're gonna see that if you just obey the empty ritual without the heart, without the heart you're going to miss out on the whole thing. You're going to miss the purpose of the law. You're going to miss the point of salvation. You're going to miss the fulfillment of it. Uh, it says in verse 1, And it came to pass on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the cornfields, and his disciples plucked the ears of corn and did eat, rubbing them together in their hands. They were rubbing them together to take, get the kernel out, to get the husk off. And certain of the Pharisees said unto them, Why do you, why do you that which is not lawful to do... Uh, on the Sabbath day. So they're following him and they're walking through this. Now you're, you're thinking, especially if you're a farmer here in, in West Tennessee, you're thinking, well, I don't want no dude walking through my field picking my stuff either, you know. But there was a law in Deuteronomy chapter 23, 25 that said if you had a field that uh, travelers walking by could pick and eat. You know, they couldn't harvest it or put it in a bag or go sell it or anything like that. That would be stealing, but they could. There was provision made for poor people and people that were traveling. Remember, there's no gas stations, no grocery stores, whatever. If you were traveling, you could you could go and you could just eat of it as you were walking through. And so they weren't really stealing. They weren't breaking the law in that sense. But the Pharisees' problem was they were breaking the Sabbath. You're not allowed to do these things on the Sabbath. Now, for us to understand what's going on, are y'all with me? Say Amen. Yeah. Okay, For us to understand what's going on, you have to understand what the Sabbath meant to these folks. And we're going to talk about what it meant, what it means, and all those kind of things. But the Sabbath, I want to read you Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it to you. This is the law, uh, one of the Ten Commandments, the fourth commandment that God gave about the Sabbath. All right? Pay attention. and Listen to what it says. It says, this is what God said. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy maidservant, thy manservant, nor thy cattle, nor the stranger that is within the gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's within them, and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. That's it. That's the law God gave. That's the command. Basically, Don't work on the Sabbath. Don't work on the. Take one day out of seven and don't work on that day. Use it to rest and rejuvenate your body. Use it to rejuvenate your spirit as you worship God and devote that day to God and you bring yourself to God and you you spend that day honoring Him. Spend that day not working. Basically, that's it. It doesn't take any great explanation. You don't need somebody to interpret that for you. It's pretty simple. Take one day in seven, work six days, take one day in seven, dedicate that day to God, don't work, neither you nor anybody in your household. Rest, simple as that, that's simple. Now, what the Pharisees had done is they came up with these 39 laws. They were written down later in what was called the Mishnahs later on. But these 39 laws of what you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath, and these 39 laws were, were subdivided into all of these hundreds and hundreds of subsections about what you could do and what you could not do. The Sabbath was a gift from God. It was a gift from God saying, rest. devote that day to me honor rejuvenate yourself physically by resting rejuvenate yourself spiritually by honoring me and worshiping me and giving that day to me it was a gift from god and these laws that they made they went into such detail about what you could and what you could not do on the sabbath let me read to you just a few of them that i wrote down so you can understand what i'm talking about they said part of these 39 laws remember these are man's laws these are not god's laws these are the laws they came up with to kind of what they called it was put a fence around the law they wanted to keep the law and to keep it Perfectly, they said, we're going we're to not even get close to breaking the Sabbath. So we're going to come up with all these rules that you have to do. Well, one of them was you can't reap anything, you can't harvest anything, you can't winnow anything, which means uh, separate the seed from the plant. You can't sift anything. And one of the sub, subsections of this law was if there's fruit in your house and there's a rotten fruit in the... you can't separate the rotten fruit from the other fruit because that would qualify as sifting. And so you can't do that. You can't prepare any food on the Sabbath. You need to prepare it all the day before. And don't, don't cook anything. Don't prepare anything. They got down to the point where they were saying you can't even, you can't even mix something up or, or put something together in a bowl or whatever. That would qualify as preparing food. So you can't do that on the Sabbath. Um, it says you can't, walk, you can't walk 3,000 feet from your home. 3,000 feet from your home. You can't walk 3,000 feet from your home unless... The day before, you prepare some food and leave it at the 3,000 foot mark. Then, once you get to the 3,000 foot mark, that really qualifies as an extension of your home because you prepared food there, so you can go 3,000 more feet. Okay? So it was big, huge, big, huge stipulations, big, huge laws. It said, let me go through these. It says, you can't kindle a fire at all. And even today, if you go, I read some things this week about even today, uh, Jewish people that observe these, uh, 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 staunchly observe these laws, they they turn on the lights in their house before the Sabbath because they can't kindle a fire. They can't light a light on the Sabbath. So they'll make sure the lights are on. And I've read that even some go so far as to unscrew the light bulb in their refrigerator. So when they open it up, the light doesn't come on because you can't turn a light on it on the Sabbath. And so you can't kindle a fire, you can't turn a light on, you can't tear anything, you can't erase anything, you can't write anything, you can't wash anything, which includes yourself, you can't bathe, you can't do any of those things, you can't carry anything heavier than a dried fig, so all of y'all that walked in here with your phone in your pocket, y'all are breaking the Sabbath. Um, and so you can't, you can't weave anything, which includes braiding your hair, so if y'all braided your hair this morning, you done broke that law. You can't, I mean, it got down so far, I could keep going, but... It got down so far that you can't even climb a tree because you might break a twig. And if you separate a plant from its source, that really is considered reaping and you can't do that on the Sabbath. So let me ask you a question. Do you think God meant all of that stuff when he said the command in Exodus chapter 20? "To, uh, To remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy, honor me and rest. No, he didn't mean all of those things. And by adding all of these laws, by adding all of these things, by adding all of these stipulations, what happened was the Sabbath didn't become a day of rest. It became a burden. It became more of a burden than you could possibly imagine. I mean, imagine today if all of that was actually God's laws. They're not. They're man's laws. And so imagine what it would be like. I mean, you would be walking on eggshells all day long trying to make sure that you don't do what's not supposed to be done. And you can't pick this up. if it's this. They even had it down to where which hand you could use about doing different things and picking different things up. Depending on what it was, it, you could only pick this up with your left hand, only pick this. I mean, there were hundreds of these laws, and the Sabbath became a burden. It was never meant to be. It was a gift from God. It was meant to be a day of rest, a day of spiritual uh, rejuvenation as you uh, devoted that to God and you remembered it and kept it holy and worshiped God on the Sabbath. It was never meant to be the what they made it to be. In Mark chapter 2, which is a parallel of what we're going to read here, the disciples walking through the grain field. Uh, in Mark chapter 2, it says Jesus said, The man was not made for the Sabbath, But the Sabbath was made for man. It was given to you as a gift. And so what happened was they had turned it in by putting all these man-made laws, all these man-made stipulations, all of these things, they had destroyed the purpose of the law. They had destroyed the purpose of God giving the Sabbath, which was was a gift from God for, for man's rest. And so the disciples are walking through this field. I hope you got all that and they are plucking these ears of corn, they are plucking these kernels, and they were uh, walking along, they were going to to wherever they were going to preach the gospel, to spread the kingdom, following Jesus, and they were plucking these things, and they were rubbing them in their hands, and they were taking the seed out, taking the kernels out, and they were eating them. And the Pharisee says, why are your disciples doing what's not lawful to do on on the Sabbath day? Now, Jesus could have said a lot of different things. He could have said, They're not breaking the law. He could have said, Your laws really are just man made things that don't count anyway. He could have said a bunch of different things about what they were doing and what, you know, uh, defending them about what they were doing, but he doesn't do that. He talks to them about the reason why they are trying to push their laws and trying to push their rituals and their works. Because they have not recognized who he is. You've seen that already over and over again in Luke. Remember, uh, up until this point in Luke, if you've been here with us... We've seen Jesus pretty much demonstrate his authority. He has authority to forgive sin. We saw that already in Luke. He has authority over the physical world, of over sickness and, and, and ailments. He, he healed two, a lot of different people up until this point. He has authority over the spiritual world. He's casting out demons. He has all authority. Well, in this particular instance, we're going to see that he has the authority of God himself over the commands of God. He has authority to, uh, he has authority to uh, tell them what should and shouldn't be done on the Sabbath. And so he says to them, in verse 3, he says, And Jesus answered them. Now, if it was me, I would have said, Man, shut up. Your laws are dumb. You, I mean, you, you've made this thing all... man. That's not what Jesus does. He says to them, Have you not read so much as this, what David did when he himself was hungry... And they which were with him, how he went into the house of God and did take and eat the showbread and gave also to them that were with him, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests alone. Now admit it. That's kind of a strange answer to the question that they asked. They said, why are your disciples going about doing what's not lawful? And instead of saying, hey, it is lawful. You guys are messing the whole thing up. Or instead of saying, they're not keeping your laws. They're not keeping, they're keeping God's laws. He pointed back to a time when David, it's 1 Samuel chapter 21. If you want to write it down, you can go read the story. David was God's anointed king. God had anointed him king, but Saul was still living, and Saul was chasing after him, and he was running for his life, and he was hungry, he was desperate. He came to this place called Nob, the house of Abathar, and he talked to this priest named Ahimelech, and he said, we're hungry, we need some food. And Ahimelech said, the only food we have here is this bread of the presence, this show bread, which was the symbol of God's presence, symbol of God's provision. And no one was allowed to eat it except the priest. Well, the priest there saw David's need, that God's anointed was in need and that God's anointed needed this bread and he gave it to him. And the Pharisees here talking to Jesus would have never said that David had sinned, would have never said that David was wrong. Why? Because they held David way up as the anointed of God. What they failed to realize was the true anointed of God was standing right here before him. The true king, the, the, the true David, the one whom David and the temple and all the Old Testament things pointed to was standing right here. And basically what he's saying by using this story, he's like, he was telling them, I am the one that has the authority. I am the true anointed. And so you can't come to me and say, oh, your disciples shouldn't be, shouldn't be uh, threshing grain and, and winnowing grain. And that's what they thought. By, by rubbing in their hands, they were winnowing. And by putting it in their mouth, they were preparing a meal. They're saying, you're breaking all these laws. He was saying, I'm the one that made these laws. I'm the one that tells you what these laws subsist of. And he says that in verse 5. He drops a bombshell. In verse 5, he says, he tells this thing. He said, have you not read about what David did about the priest alone? In verse 5, he says, and he said unto them, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Now, I cannot stress to you what an what a atomic bomb this was to them. For him to say, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, I am the one that tells you, what should and shouldn't be done uh, on the Sabbath. I'm the one who is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. I'm the one who is the authority over the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a divine command. It was part of the Ten Commandments. It's still part of the Ten Commandments today. And so for him to say, I'm Lord over it, I'm Lord over the Sabbath meant, I mean, you couldn't take it any other way than I'm God. I am God. I am the Son of God I am eternal. I am the one who gave this command. I am the one with authority over this command. Now, these Pharisees that didn't recognize Christ as who he was, they looked at him, and you can imagine just jaws dropping. How could you say something like this? How could you say? The reality of it is that he is the fulfillment of that command. He is the authority over it, and he explains it. He's basically telling the Pharisees, you don't have the right to tell my disciples, my people, what God means by the Sabbath. That's what they said, basically. We're the Pharisees. We're the religious guys. We're the ones that will tell you what God means. God means that you can't carry anything heavier than a dried fig, and you can't walk 3,000 feet, and you can't do this, and you can't do that, and make sure you do this, and make sure you don't do that. That's what they were doing. They were saying, we have the authority to tell you this. And Jesus said, no, you don't have that authority. I have that authority. I am the Son of Man. I am the Son of Man who is the Lord of the Sabbath. And, of course, we know, especially through the rest of the New Testament, that Jesus is the fulfillment of that Sabbath. Understand, let me, me, I'll tell you what, let me show you, flip over with me to Hebrews chapter 4 real quick. And I'll show you what I mean by saying Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. Hebrews chapter 4 I probably won't read. You can read the whole chapter some other time. But in Hebrews chapter 4, in this, uh, the context is he's talking about the rest that the people of God entered into the promised land and all those things. And he compares that rest and the Sabbath rest to, uh, to who we are in Christ and the rest that we have. In verse 4, it says, I'm going to just read the first four verses. It says, let us therefore fear. He had just got done telling about the people who entered rest or who could not enter rest because of their unbelief in the promised land. He says, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left to us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as to them, talking about those who entered the promised land in the days of Exodus, but the word priest did not profit them, being mixed with faith, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now here's the thing. Verse 3, For we which have believed, believed in what, do you think? What do you think the writer of Hebrews is talking about? It's talking about Christ. It's talking about believing in Christ. We who have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the earth, for he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day, which is what? The Sabbath on this wise, and God did rest from the seventh day of all his works. We who have believed do enter that rest. Down, I'll skip down to verse 10. It says, for he that has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from him. The rest he's talking about is resting in Christ. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. He is the truth of the Sabbath. Now make sure you understand what I'm saying. The principle, the Sabbath, the fourth commandment is still in the Ten Commandments. It hadn't been done away with. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. And so the principle of it, one day in seven dedicated to the Lord is still valid for today. You can see it. I'll show it to you in just a moment. Jesus himself kept the Sabbath. He entered into the synagogue on the Sabbath. But the reality is that Jesus is our fulfillment of our rest. He said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he said, you know, if you're burdened, and you're heavy laden, and you you have all these things. He says, you come to me, and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. You, my burden's light. You know, uh, my yoke is easy. You will find rest for your soul. He is the fulfillment Of that Sabbath so understand what we're saying we're not saying that hey you you don't have to you don't have to dedicate uh, uh, the day uh, Sunday the Lord's Day what the New Testament calls the Lord's Day Sunday Uh, you don't have to dedicate that day to the Lord that's not what we're saying we're saying our true rest our true rest to what it always pointed to is in Christ. It is in Christ that we cease from our works, so to speak. We're no longer working to to keep God happy or to make God happy or to keep ourselves good enough to be. We're no longer fighting that battle. We're no longer going after that because Jesus has given us rest and we rest from that. But what the Pharisees were doing is what so many people do today. It wasn't about their heart They could care less about their heart as long as they were going through the ritual. As long as they were going through the motions, it was good enough. You could see it. As long as you keep all of these laws that we've set up, all of these statutes that we've set up, that's good enough. When the reality is that Jesus, over and again, we'll see it even in this chapter of Luke, he says, you know, you've heard it said thou shalt not commit adultery. He said, but I say to you that if you look at another with lust, you've committed adultery. You've heard it said thou shalt not commit murder, but I tell you if you if you hate someone in your heart, you've committed murder. It's not about keeping the letter of the rule just to make God happy. It's about what's going on in your heart. It's not about the ritual. It's not about showing up just to be showing up because you're supposed to be here and Sunday is what we do and come to church is what we do. It's not about going through the ritual thinking, well, that's good enough for me. That's good enough for God. God wants your heart. God wants your heart dedicated to Him, and you can't work up to it. You can't work it in such a way where I can change my heart if I just do X, Y, and Z. You have to have a supernatural encounter with God through the gospel as the Holy Spirit comes and changes you from the old man into the new man. He, you have to have a supernatural encounter with God. It was about the heart. Just going through the motions is not good enough. Now you've been here surely long enough to know that I don't mean oh well once you're saved you don't have to do anything and it's all good. What I'm saying what I've always said, what we always say here is that when your heart is changed everything else will take care of itself. You will begin to walk after God. You will begin to follow after His law. You will begin to chase after Him and to love Him and to want to be with Him and want to fellowship with His people and want to invest yourself in the lives of, of the brethren. You will do all of those things but it's a work that has to be done from the inside out it can't be done from the outside in you can't do it just by keeping the ritual and thinking that everything is fine and this is what these Pharisees were doing they were more concerned about their rituals and about keeping their things than they were about the heart they were more concerned about following the letter of their man-made laws of course you and i know that the disciples weren't breaking the god's law jesus wasn't breaking god's law by picking corn on the on the sabbath day he was breaking these traditions and these rituals that these men had put in place but the fundamental problem here is that they were just going through the motions they didn't have a heart for god they didn't have a heart to be right before god all they were doing was thinking, hey, as long as I keep the ritual, I'm good. As long as I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm good. And we see that over and over again. They missed the point. They missed the point of the whole thing. Miss the point of what God is doing. Miss the point of what God wants them to do, what God wants them to be. Completely miss the point. And you'll see this in the next section. Let me, let me hurry up and I'll finish this deal. In verse 6, This is the second story of Jesus uh, healing the man with a withered hand, and he's going to show them. He's going to show them their problem, show them their heart. In verse 6, it says, And it came to pass, let me just read the whole thing to you 6 through 11. It says, And it came to pass also on another Sabbath that he entered into the synagogue and taught. Of course, the Sabbath is not, the, the principle of one day and seven is not gone, it's not done away with. You see, Jesus here, where was he on the Sabbath? He was entering into the synagogue. He was worshiping. He was preaching. He was teaching. And it came to pass on, the, on another Sabbath that he entered the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. Now, look at what the point that the, the, point that the text is trying to make. It's the same thing we saw just a few verses earlier. They are more concerned about their rituals about their little little man-made law about their thing that was one of the laws by the way you can't you can't administer any kind of medicine or any kind of healing or any kind of you know if you were a doctor you could not do any doctoring on the sabbath or anything like that and so they were instead of seeing a man in need a brother in need a neighbor in need in their synagogue in their place of worship instead of going to him to help him to minister to him to to empathize with him to sympathize with him to come and to to come alongside him and to aid him and to whatever encourage him exhort him instead of to do any of those things with this hurting man that walked into their walked into their place of worship the only thing they were focused on was seeing a man in need and seeing Jesus and saying, you know, I, th- I know he's a healer. Let's see if he heals this guy so we can catch him. so We can catch him breaking our law. Do you see what they were doing? They were more concerned about their own ritual, about their own little statute, that they were actually breaking God's law. What's God's law? Jesus told us that God's law is summed up completely and totally. On this, the law and the prophets hang was two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And it said, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if these these guys in this synagogue were actually uh, had a heart for God's law, had a heart to follow God, had this heart that was devoted and desired Him and, and wanted to be like Him, what would they have done? when this hurting, broken man walked into there, you know, he wasn't at the point of death. He had a, a withered hand. He, you know, he, he was messed up in his hand. What would they have done? They would have loved their neighbor as their self. They would have loved, that's, a, that's from Leviticus chapter 19. So that's not a new thing Jesus brought on the scene. That's something he was quoting from the Old Testament. That was something God had given them. So instead of loving their neighbor as their self, They chose to follow and to seek after the keeping of their rituals and their religious things that they had made up, and they chose to try to catch Jesus if he he was going to heal. And what does Jesus do? Of course, you know good and well what he's going to do. He knew their thoughts in verse 8. And he said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. He says, Come here for a minute, dude. Uh, He probably didn't use them words, but he says, Come here and stand up. And he brings this guy up in front of all of them. I mean, he st- he doesn't heal him in the back corner. He doesn't sneak around so they all watch him. So, all right, be healed. You know, he doesn't do anything like that. He brings him right up to the front, and then it says, "I love this." He says, "And and and he rose and stood forth." Then Jesus said unto them, "I will ask you one thing: Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil, to save life?" Or destroy it. And I love this next part. He says, and looking round about them. He, he took, he paused for a minute, looking at it. He said, Is it is it lawful to do good or to do evil? Is it lawful to save life or destroy it? Now, don't miss what he's saying right here. What he's telling them, basically, what he's saying is, you guys by choosing to follow uh, and seek after the keeping of your own little religious rights, your own things that aren't God's law, but your own little laws that you made up and thinking that that makes you good with God and you're going through the motions of this thing, by seeking to do that, you are doing evil. Now, he said, whoa. Uh, if you're a Pharisee there, you say, well, we didn't make the guy's hand withered up. We didn't cause his suffering. He walked in here like that. I mean, whatever caused that suffering, it wasn't us that did it. Notice what Jesus is saying. He says, is it lawful for me to do good, for us to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil? What he's implying there is that you and I and these Pharisees standing here, by doing nothing, by refusing to love our neighbor as ourselves, you are actually doing evil by by refusing to love our neighbor as ourselves, to love the brethren you are not only doing evil but he says you're destroying life jesus is saying if i choose to do absolutely nothing for this guy i'm doing evil i'm destroying life i'm not saving life i'm destroying it and so what what we see here is by following their traditions by following their little man-made rules, by going through the motions rather than having a heart for God, they were actually breaking God's law. They would have said, oh, we're keeping God's law perfectly because we're doing all of these other things uh, not you know, the, to make sure that we don't break the Sabbath. We're doing all of these laws. We're doing more than anybody else. We are the most religious guys on the planet. We're following all of these things. And Jesus comes and says, by going through the motions... By just doing your ritual with no heart for God, no desire to follow after his commands in loving him or loving your neighbor, you're actually breaking his commands. You're actually nullifying his command to love God and to love your neighbor as, as yourself. And they would say, I mean, we know that from the New Testament. You know, that it, says, it says the man who knows to do good and doesn't do it to him, what? It's a sin. So what he's doing is, is he's exposing their hearts. Going through the ritual is not good enough. Going through these little, little—of course, were, theirs were man-made laws. Going through these deals is not enough. It's about your heart. God wants your heart, and so he exposes their heart. He says to them, "He says to them, is it lawful to do good or to do evil?" Is it lawful to save life or to destroy life? I want to show you that throughout the New Testament, I can show you from a hundred different places. Indifference is the same as doing evil against your brother. When you're indifferent to the fellowship of believers, when you're indifferent to the hurting and suffering of other people, that's the same as doing evil. Let me read you a verse just in case, because some of y'all are like, I don't think that's so. In, verse, in 1 John, I'll just read this to you. First John 3, verse 17, it says, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shut it, shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? That's in 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. To do nothing... Is the same as destroying life, is the same as evil. Now, they were more concerned about just going through the motions. You know, I don't have to get, I don't have to do all of that. I don't have to go into those things. As long as I'm just keeping my rituals, as long as I'm keeping going through the motions of this thing, I'm good enough. And that exposes the heart. And last verses we'll read. He says, verse 10 said, looking around about them, he said to the man, stretch forth thy hand. He did so, and his hand was restored, whole as the other. He healed him. And what did that do? It exposed the hearts of those Pharisees. You're evil. That's what, basically what he was saying. You're, you've chosen to destroy life. You've chosen to do evil on the Sabbath rather than to do good. And what happens when your heart's exposed? One of two things is always going to happen. One you're either going to fall to your knees in humble repentance knowing that you need a savior, knowing that you can't do anything to keep God's law and that you've never kept God's law and that God, uh, God demands perfection of us and we can't make it so we have to turn to the only one who is perfect. That's what God's law does. It is a schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. It shows us our sin. The other response, you're going to get really, really mad going to get really angry. How dare you tell me that I'm a sinner? How dare you tell me that I'm not doing right? Who are you? I've seen you do some things that, that aren't right, so you really don't have no right to judge me at all. You've surely heard the clarion cry of the world today when they say that. But he says, this is how they respond. Verse 11, their hearts have been exposed, and they were filled with what? Madness. And communed one with another what they might do to Jesus. From this point you see a, a concerted effort in Luke for these Pharisees to get together, we're going to get rid of this guy. We're going to get rid of him, and uh, it doesn't matter what we got to do and of course you know the story, they end up uh, turning him over to the Romans and being crucified, which was part of God's plan for the salvation of the world. But I want you to see something. Their hearts were exposed. They were going through the rituals their ritual was, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that on the Sabbath. You can't, you, know, you can't lift this, and you can't walk that many feet, and you can't do a... That was their thing. That's what pleased God, so they thought. And Jesus brings them forward. He said, look, first of all, you missed the fulfillment. I am the fulfillment. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. They've missed completely what the Sabbath pointed to, the rest that we have in Christ Jesus. And the second thing that they did was they failed to understand that God's law doesn't just say, don't do that, it tells us what we should and must do. Jesus was like, is it, is it right to, to, to do good or to do evil on the Sabbath? You and I need to understand, it. God's law is not about just don't do the bad. God's law is you must always do the good. It's not just about stay away from this bad. It's about you must be doing what is right at all times, every time. And I don't know about you, but that puts me in a bad position. Because how many of us have always done what was absolutely right at all the the time? And what that does is it exposes the reality of your heart. Are we just going through the motions? Do we have our own little rituals that we've started that, you know, our own little religious thing that we've put together? And as long as I keep my life really religious with my little rituals and things that are going on, I, I'm gonna be fine. When the reality is now Christ comes and exposes our heart and he shows us the sin. That's what the law of God does. It shows us our sin. That's bad news. It's bad news for all of us. It's bad news for all of us who've sinned, but there is good news. And that good news is that Jesus, the Son of Man even, is Lord of the Sabbath. He is the fulfillment. There is a true rest that you and I can have. There's a true rest, a Sabbath rest, a perfect rest that we can have in Christ Jesus. He is the fulfillment of it. When we step into Christ, when we are born again by the Spirit of God, we have a rest that no one can understand other than those who've been born again. We have a rest from our works in such a way that we don't have to perform in order for God to love us. And that's that's a crazy kind of love that we really don't understand because everywhere else in our life, we have to perform for someone to love us. We have to perform. We have to do this in order to receive these accolades or to receive this goodness or to receive this love from whoever the people around us. That's not the way it is with God. With God, that love is given freely in Christ Jesus and the heart that is changed inside of us is the heart that desires to perform, that desires to follow after God. It cannot work. Listen to me. It cannot work. From the outside in, there is no way to make your heart right before God by working from the outside in. You can't change your behavior, you can't change your rituals, you can't change your works good enough to change the inside of who you are. And that's what God is focused on, the inside of who you are. He wants to change your heart. And once that heart is changed, everything else will take care of itself. If you and I do wrong with the changed heart, God will surely come as a good father and a good shepherd and he will show us and he will change us and he will mold us. We call it being sanctified. He will sanctify you daily. He will change you. He will mold you and make you into who he wants you to be. But you and I can't get it mixed up and think that we have to fix this outside in order for the inside to be right with God. It works from the inside out. And so the point of all of this, I think, for, for Christ Church, I believe, is that you can't go through the motions. You can't just go through the ritual and say, Well, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to go to church, I'm supposed to do this, I'm supposed to do that, and so I, and that is gonna make you right with God. You have to have a change of heart. And the only way that happens is through a supernatural encounter with God as the gospel goes forth and you are born again by the Spirit of God. So today, understand, some of you might be, you know, you might be working. You might be working hard trying to please God, and that's a good thing. It's a good thing to work hard. But if we're working from the outside in, thinking that it's making me righteous, thinking that it's making me good, if we've developed this whole system of this is what I do and this is what I'm supposed to do, and you've skipped first base, which is, having your heart made over, becoming a new creature in Christ Jesus, understand it will never, it will never, it will never lead to salvation. It will never lead to God being pleased with you. It will never lead, it will never lead to being accepted by God. The only way that we can be accepted is through Christ Jesus. There is a rest for you today. A rest from your labors and that rest is in Christ. Turn to him. Repent of your sin and trust in him. And he said he would change you. He would save you. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the...